He's Christian. He's Jimmer. Welcome back to Two Physical Therapists and a Bag of Chips. Also known as Two PTs and a Bag of Chips. That is correct. That's our new moniker. We go by that. It's easier to write. Yeah. Saves you a lot of letters. You can use an apostrophe. That's which, is, which is fun. I like apostrophes. Yeah. Today we are going to go over total knee arthroplasty, also known as a knee replacement. Also known as TKA. Also. AKA TKA. Whew, that's good. And we're going to review the Zaps Voodoo Heat compliments of Skylar and Connie. Yeah, they, they don't look intimidating. No, they smell good. Uh, I can't smell anything. Oh. What's I'm still things? numb. So, total knee arthroplasty. Quite common. Probably the most common joint replacement, would you think? Yeah, I mean, we see them a lot. They say they're doing about 600000 a year in the U.S. Holy cow. And they expect that number to increase to about $1.2 million in the next 10 years. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot of knee replacements. It's a lot. Yeah. That's why they call the places where they replace the knees knee replacement factories. Oh, is that what they call them? Yeah. Well, that's pretty good. Just shoving them through. The average age is about 70. That's not to say that we don't see younger and older individuals. The most common demographic is 50 to 80. And, you know, we see a few in the the 40s and the 30s. And every once in a while you'll see somebody in their 20s or some sort of uh, post-cancer or post-significant trauma even earlier than that. But that's pretty rare. I just caught a whiff of the heat. Now I'm a little scared. Are you? Oh. Oh, dear. About 60% women on this, so favored that way just a little bit. And the joint is expected to last about 20 years, and that's pretty consistent for what they consider about 85%. Okay. So that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, pretty un- uncomfortable surgery. I'd say that's the number one thing that you take away from this this podcast, is that they are not comfortable. They are not fun. Long term, they're amazing. Yep, it takes it takes a while for you to appreciate what you have done because the first three months are are work. Yeah. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be work. Probably six to, the first six to twelve weeks are pretty uncomfortable. You are not going to be able to coast through that period of time. You're really going to have to put in the work, put in the effort. Yep, yep. Be consistent. You're you gonna, can't sit with your uh, knee propped up on the couch watching reruns of Cheers. No. It's, that ain't going to work. It's not going to work at all. You're going to want to get to moving it the day of surgery. And you're going to want to keep moving it until you reach about neutral knee extension or what we call zero degrees of knee extension and 120 degrees of flexion. So that's bending the knee. Yeah. Those are the goals. Strength usually comes pretty pretty much in tune with as the range increases. So that's pretty good. Yeah, plus, you know, people are walking and weight-bearing immediately, so I think mm-hmm. that a lot of times can start activate the muscles a little bit, so that's not usually a big a big problem. The, the problem is trying to get them to bend the knee, so getting normal flexion when you walk and then getting your mobility back. And for some people, that's extension. For some people, that's flexion. For some people, that's both. Mm-hmm. Th- there is a caveat, though, to that, I'm, I must say, that when you look at the uh, the results, some people will get their motion back in six weeks some people get it back in three months some people it takes nine months but by and large after a year everybody has about 115 120 flexion zero extension 
Yeah, and the interesting part about this pr- procedure is is that any knee flexion beyond 125 or 130 starts to actually become more of a pain provoker than a benefit. Uh, there are cases where people can tolerate that sort of range, no problem. But but in a lot of cases, that's a big problem, and it's oftentimes an indicator that the the spacer is not the correct size, or something else is going on that shouldn't be. Yeah, we've we've had a couple of those where. With ease, we got to 140, 145 degrees of flexion, and that should be a red flag. That's not a good that, – that sounds and looks like a good amount, but that isn't. That's too much movement. And um, and that ended up being a, another surgery to replace the spacer with one almost twice the size. Yeah, that was pretty recent. But we've seen that, uh, I mean, a handful of times over the last few years, so it's definitely something that occurs – Regularly, I mean that's the wrong word. Often enough yeah, that often it's something. Often enough that yeah, that it's it's definitely something to, to, to be, be careful aware of. of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other kind of risks we'll see some blood clotting issues. Also, infection is another one. Uh, blood clotting and infection are are very low. They do a lot to mitigate that stuff in terms of prep before surgery, uh, medication use, and then also giving people good education on what to look out for and and when. They need to take themselves in to the emergency room or some other place to to just double check and, and ease their minds and make sure there isn't something going on. Because the sooner you catch those things, the better. And then they're usually not a problem if you can get on top of them right away. Yeah. So, so classic signs of a, of a blood clot or a DVT are extreme pain in the calf, and it's usually focused on one spot. So if you're having soreness in your calf muscle, that's not what that is. And this um, is this is tenderness to to touch to light touch. I mean, you can't tolerate your own hand or, or pillow against it. That's a really really good indicator something's going on. Yeah, swelling, redness, those are all signs. But you know, I, I think Christian would agree. If you are not sure, go in, have it checked out. It's very easy to check. They do mm-hmm. an ultrasound to see what the blood flow is in that area, and if you have a a clot they can put you in blood thinners but it's better to be safe than sorry with those yeah you don't want to mess around with with either a blood clot or an infection if you suspect it if it seems to you like something isn't quite right just do yourself a favor and get it checked out worst case scenario it costs you a couple hours of your time yeah that's probably um, the best advice we can give you yeah with those things more or less with all of these as jimmer mentioned we're looking at a year recovery so Everyone has a friend or, or a neighbor or somebody who said that within a few days or a few weeks they were back to playing golf or riding their bike or playing tennis or they're in their yard. And and those stories do occur, and, and that's great. But for the majority of individuals, that's not the case. So definitely be prepared to, to work at it and, and be uncomfortable and realize that the more you put in, the more you get out. And it's going to take time. I mean, most people aren't comfortable until three months and, and don't really feel, you know, able to do their normal activities for, for, for six months. And then every couple of weeks after that, you might have a little flare-up up until about a year where, where things have really settled in and settled down and, and everything feels normal again. Yeah, do yourself a favor. And when you start your rehab or if you decide to have the surgery, realize that this is a unique surgery. It's unique to each individual. Um nobody's story is going to be just like yours. So if you have somebody who says you should have never done it because it's, it was the worst thing they ever did, that might pertain to that individual's story, but that's not your story. So you're going to go as hard and as fast and as good as you are going to go 
regardless of what happened to your neighbor or your best friend or your aunt or whomever yeah yeah no so, so you just have to understand that it, it takes diligence it takes consistency it takes hard work but if you do that it, it will happen it may not happen as quick as you want or as quick as it did with somebody else but it will happen yeah eventually the procedure is worth it and that's that's hard the first couple months when you're uncomfortable every day or, or you're struggling with inflammation or getting range of motion and so you just got to continue to to be consistent and continue to push yourself and realize that there's there's a difference between hurting and, and injuring yourself and and with these they're so stable and that injuring yourself is really a difficult thing to do so yeah i remember patients telling me that they were afraid that if they would bend it too hard the pin or the prosthesis would pop out um I've never seen that happen. Yeah, and it'll feel that way. It'll feel like that incision really wants to, to open up on you again. But uh, keep in mind that there's two levels of, of sutures in there to, to make sure everything stays closed. And so you're really – it's. I've never seen it either. It's, I would say it's almost impossible for you to, to explode that thing open. Unless there's some other major issue going on. But that, that is a uh, – that is not bad. a – yeah, that's not a common thing. And on that same line, we're not going to – just push you to 125 degrees, you know, one day out of surgery. That doesn't make any sense. So there's there's a certain amount of, of work we want to do, and there's a certain amount of discomfort that's that's within the realm of okay. And this is one of the few procedures where we spend a lot of time educating people on pain and working into pain as opposed to, to being on the edge because this one can really stiffen up pretty quick. And when that happens, a manipulation can occur which is something we hope that doesn't happen, but unfortunately from time to time that, that does occur. And so a manipulation occurs when your range of motion has not improved over a period of time, and that can be, depending on the surgeon, as little as six weeks or out to, to six months. It just depends a little bit. Yeah, they'd like to do it sooner rather than later for fear of, of too much adhesions um, laying down. So with the manipulation, if you're just not getting any more mobility back, most of the time they'll do a close manipulation, meaning they won't open the knee up again. They'll sedate you, and then they'll try to break through adhesions or scar tissue that has formed in the knee. It's a traumatic experience, so you're starting off with more pain again right after, and you'll end up coming into physical therapy daily for at least a week just to make sure that you maintain the gains that the surgeon was able to uh, to make with the manipulation, but it's another traumatic experience. So it's not a quick fix, that's for sure. No, there's a, you have to do a lot of work after that. So it's better to just do the work right off the bat. That's what I always tell people. The more you kind of work it and push it and be uncomfortable, the less likely any of that other stuff is going to happen. So absolutely. Yep. I think it's trivia time. Trivia time. The biggest body of water. No. No. Name the largest freshwater lake in the world. That's what I said. Well, kind of. I wasn't finished yet. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's where I was going to go with that. Okay. I saw TJ got it right again. Did he? Yeah. Oh. Lake Superior? Yeah. Not sure about that TJ now. Starting very dubious. He's prepping, he's prepping for college. He's been studying. Oh, been, oh that's yeah. good. Yep. Uh, we had a Caspian Sea, which is technically a salt water body. It's got about a third as much salt as an ocean, but because it was salty, uh, I believe the Romans named it a sea, even though technically it is a lake because it's not attached to any ocean 
Although about 55 million years ago, it was part of an ocean. Well, plus the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea, and that's not a sea. Right. And it has about three times the salt. Yeah, it's got a lot of, more salinity of, of, than, yeah. than the Caspian Sea. But, so, so, yeah. It's interesting. But freshwater body. Lake Superior, the largest freshwater lake in the world. Go Canadians. And, it's Amer mostly, and American. Is it mostly Canadian? It's a great lake. It's... How do we, I don't know if it's more Canadian than American. I'm sure there's a line in the middle there that separates the U.S. portion from the Canadian portion. Can you sail across it or is it like oh, yeah. a chain? No, you can sail no, it. You can sail. Yeah, you can sail it. Hmm. So, new question this week. Name the author of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Dr. No and Thunderball. Should I give away that they're all James Bond movies? Yeah, well, that kind of gives it away pretty easy, I think. But, yeah, sure, go for it. I think people knew that. I would hope so. All righty, chip time. So I was watching a, a, a video of uh, of your um, your friend um, Barry. Oh yeah, we've Brian. been invited to do a guest spot on in the chips with Barry. Yeah, no, and Barry was talking about the curly, the double curly ones, the foldies. I got a I got a single foldy here, but it's got a it's it's got a another one inside its mouth. It's almost like a taco chip. Oh, that's the one I'm going for. Taco shell mm. foldy. That's awesome. So we're doing the voodoo. The Zaps Voodoo Heat. So we've done the Voodoos before, but this is a little little different. Let's see what we got. Mm, solid crunchy chip. Mm-hmm. Kettle style. It almost just a little bit of vinegary heat. Oh yeah. Good thickness. The heat comes on there a little later. Mm-hmm. I mean the initial oh. flavor. More vinegar than anything mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, I'm liking these, but almost like the barbecue vinegar. Oh. Definitely yeah. some bar like part paprika type. I'm not even supposed to eat any crunchy stuff yet. Uh oh. Jimmer had some dental work. Yeah. Uh, chip terror ratio 45%. Maybe this will numb it. We do have the little bag though, the 1.5 ounce bag. So. I like them. I like them a lot. Yeah, yeah. they're good. Good crunch, solid mm -hmm. chip, thick enough. Yeah. Good, good flavor. Like the like Christian said, it's got the after chew heat. Yeah, not nothing, um, nothing too intense. Just a no, little. No, no, this is just a little something. Something that most people can tolerate. This is not a um, a tearjerker. This is not a uh, death chip no, at I'm all. I'm liking it. I'm gonna give this a solid two thumbs up today. I'm gonna join. I'm gonna be boring. I'm gonna join Christian with with two solid thumbs up. Thank you so much, Connie, Skyler, Skyler. Yeah, guys, appreciate it very much. Thank this you. This was uh, fantastic. Alrighty, thank you for listening today. Next week we're gonna go over. The Liz Frank fracture or injury, depending on what literature you read, they use that second word interchangeably. And then we're going to review some more of Gene's snats, this time the Limon e Tomilio. Can't be any worse than the than the sweaty feet pea crunch powder okay. chip that we did. I would hope not. That would that would be an impressive yeah. bar to, to cross. To cross, yeah. So you go into the the negative two thumbs and three thumbs range, and that's a that's a pretty bad place that's to be. That's a bad place to be for any oh. ship. Liz Frank, that's not a, a lady's name, by the way. It's one word, Liz Frank, L-I-S-F-R-A-N-C. Yes, that's correct. Liz Frank. Yes, Jacques Liz Frank de Saint-Martin. It's an imaginary line across your foot. Yeah. Uh, if you like the show today, please tell your friends, follow, review, subscribe. If you're looking for more information about this topic, follow us on Instagram and or Twitter throughout the week. For information on Rebound Therapy, check out our website, reboundclinic.com. Or just swing by, have a cup of coffee, and some chips. Always allowed to. Yeah, that works. He's Jimmer, and I'm Christian. Thanks for listening.